maybe what three is doing for you is giving you a sense of being seen unlike any other type can. Nines just just don't get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what get, I mean. Yeah, they That's don't what get I mean. the three things. So it's like they're so happy to just be and exist and, you know, have something maybe catered to them every now and again. It's just so easy. Attachment parenting, it's like the umbilical cord is still attached. You're still... Uh, connected and adapting and everywhere you go I go and all of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. the big hormone enneagram Hi, I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self president with Bioling 458 Trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self president sexual 9 with 1974 Trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8 wing 7, sexual self president with 854 Fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self president social 3 wing 4 with a If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. All right. Welcome back to the Big Hormone Enneagram Show. Today, we are missing John, who is in Egypt, making love to the pyramids. (laughs) But uh, today, we are talking about we wanted to talk about relationship compatibility stuff before but we haven't we thought a good way to get started with that would be to look at specific pairings so today we're going to be looking at what it's like when three and nine get together and we have a three and a nine on the pot today to talk about that uh but before we do that let's hit our plugs by john's book it's available on amazon and everywhere books are sold and if you have already bought john's book remember to go leave a rating or a review second by david's trifix booklet it's available on anygrammar.com and also on his website it's an intuitive illustrative guide to trifix and number three sign up for dark arts academy 19 dollars a month we just did pete davidson which is uh, a, a guy that's very popular. I think we should do a pod on him at some point because it was an interesting conversation about like, yeah, why do why do people like him? Why do girls like him? What's so appealing about Pete Davidson? I think once you actually see his typing, a lot of that starts to make sense. So, uh, on a personal level, what's his type? So yeah. his type is uh, he's a social sexual six wing seven Bermuda. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> Very likable man. Yeah. Six nine three. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, can da- you you should do Tom Hiddleston at some point. He is my one man on my spank bank. I think we already did him. But, really? Yeah. Loki. Lo- yeah, we already. Yeah, did we already him. did him. He's one of the oh. first guys we did. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought you said you already spanked to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do actively. I mean, based <laughs> off of our. Uh, oh no! I did, I I mean I might have said that I don't. Well, we were all I have with not. you. I was imagining us all with you. You know. Oh okay. Yeah, because if you put him in a soup, I would just. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> <laughs> what did we type in? He was a. Two. He was a two. Oh, he was a Stockholm two. Yeah. Like oh, see, two, I six, like nine. my Stockholm or two boys. nine six. Yeah. yeah, two nine six. And yeah. he's SPSO. SPSO. Uh, yeah. Oh, I just. Mm. <laughs> God. You but yeah, terrible taste. so we did Pete <laughs> Davidson. Uh, and also, lastly, we've been raising money for audio equipment for the last, I don't know, month or so. And want to announce that we've reached our goal. We have raised up till now, we've raised $710. That's way past our goal of 500 And Thank you, all, guys. All of that Thank stuff you. is going to go towards equipment upgrades that we've been getting. Microphones, audio interfaces, boom arms, mic stands, and shit like that. So... We're going to be meeting up at Nancy's wedding in a couple months here, and we're planning on recording our first video podcast together because we're all going to be in the same place. And so all that equipment that we got, and we got um, is going to go a long way towards making that happen. So um, that's going to be happening in April, our first video podcast. So those of you who helped us raise this money for this audio equipment, many thanks. A couple of you sent us over $100. Thank you very much for helping make this podcast better. Right? Yes. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. All right. We've been wanting to talk about compatibility between types and uh, compatibility dynamics between two types. We talk about attachment types a lot on this pod because most people are attachment types. I believe at least three out of four people of the population is an attachment type. And I want to do like uh, the last hundred typings that we've done just sort of illustrate like, okay, this is the breakdown of the kind of types that we get in terms of the people we type at any grammar. But even just my, by my own rough estimation, it's like way more than 75%. That's attachment types. So yeah, I have uh, typed my friend group and most of them are nines. <laughs> SPSO. <laughs> like the most common type that we get. Little baby nines. That we get are social nines and we get social types far more than any other of the other instinct stackings because I think most people are interested in typology. More social types are interested in typology and interested in Facebook groups. Then, or they're, you know, or they're more sort of conversational about it, so they join all the groups, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but so, if we're talking about type compatibility, you're going to be talking about compatibility amongst attachment types because most relationships are between sixes and nines, or attachment types dating their same type, like nines dating in relationships or sixes in relationships. But with threes, I tend to see less so threes dating other threes. Threes tend to, you know, end up that with would sixes be exhausting, <laughs> yeah. Every time I talk to another three, I just get stressed out. <laughs> like, they just stress me out. Both of you can let me know, like, how do you see the other type? And have you always sensed a polarity or sort of like a chemistry between three and nine for you guys? Well, David's chemistry with threes is off the chart. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Why do you say that, Nancy? Because you love me. Oh, it's about it's her. Not about you. It's yeah. not even yeah. about the pattern. It's about her. That no, sounds no, like no, you're being a three me. right now. Mm. <laughs> sounds like you're being a nine. So there. So for me, let's see. I've got a past girlfriend who is a three back when I was in my late twenties, and that was a pretty hot relationship. Why she was it hot? Because she was Sexually. just super. She was just super sexy to me. Okay. Um, just like over the top. And that's often the case for me with threes. Um, yeah, female threes are, I don't know, they're just uh, extra shiny, ripe things. And they try to be. Because they try to yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. Threes yeah. try to be hot. There, <laughs> yeah. There's something, though, to me that is somewhat... Um, natural part of just how they are i think that's sexy that's beyond that's other than the trying okay um yeah for me um i mean like you know when i was first getting into the enneagram i had a lot of the same kind of prejudice against three in general you Mm -hmm. know just disregarding romantic compatibility but just because i had had a couple of friends guy friends that were threes and uh, they were just some cold motherfuckers, you know what I mean? They were just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know and, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it was just kind of a weird... It's just a strange energy, um, that thing that I've talked about and we've mentioned a few times before where they're, I don't know, kind of uh, adjusting their image and stuff uh, right in front of your eyes, and you kind of can't tell who the real person is sometimes. Mm-hmm. So do, uh, yeah. why, why is that different for men than for women with you? Do you know? Vagina. That's, that's Okay. Why. Yeah. One's bangable <laughs> in your mind. One's I think, not. I think that could be it. Yeah. I, oh really, I'm a very Maybe. simple man. I'm a very simple man. <laughs> All men are. Pussy All changed everything. Um, yeah. This is what I have what to is deal it? with on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, let me think. So, but then I had a couple of experiences with threes being where I could kind of Women? see what they were up to. No, these were both males and females. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Where, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, both. Yeah. Then I had a few sexual interactions with them, and I realized they weren't so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Everything comes back to sex. Um, so, uh, and I started to kind of get where they were coming from in the sort of vulnerable aspect of it, you okay. know, because it because it initially, of course, 
feels just completely invulnerable, you know what I mean? And it feels like just cut off from heart. But when you kind of get a glimpse in a subtle, nuanced way into kind of what's going on behind whatever their pro the the type three program is, um, Mm -hmm. you kind of get the feeling for where they are at a heart level, and then. And wait, what, to be, what is that though? What did, what, what would you, if you could explain that? Well, it's partly that you're seeing, uh, I guess it's partly the attachment thing of you're seeing that it's ultimately about wanting acceptance mm. and that, and that's what they're doing. All this kind of adapting and image shifting around is, yeah, it's, it's that, you know, which is, that's pretty vulnerable, right? Ultimately to be kind of needing that acceptance almost in every mm-hmm. moment and, and adapting and changing to, uh, to, to fit the audience or whatever. So it's uh, not like the feeling of, uh, that, or the impression that some people might have that oh, threes are fake because they're trying to manipulate me or, or they're, they're trying to get right. one over or sell you on something or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was partly because probably, um, in a couple of instances, it was threes that were, that appreciated me for, you know, whatever the hell I am. Mm-hmm. And so they were, you know, I could just see that they were adapting to me and so forth. And it was like, oh, cause that's a weird thing for a nine, you know, mm-hmm. just to see that somebody's kind of forming around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that gave me a window into that. And, and it's also the thing of that I've mentioned before on the pod is stemming off of those kind of, um, experiences with threes, there were times when I could see that they were doing this thing that I think of as like direct heart streaming where they're seeing what's going on for me. And Mm. there's a way in which it's not colored in the same way. And specifically in heart space, it's not colored in the way that two and four are so hyper saturated with their own, um, coloration and agenda mm. around heart space. I mean, yeah. to me, three, six, and nine said it before also, but they all have kind of like an on off switch with the centers to me. Yeah. And usually they're off, but when they're on, <clears throat> it's like they are able to do sort of a higher version of the center and like channeling three and nine, three, six, and nine. Oh, oh, all, all three. All, okay. all three do, yeah, are, have an on-off switch. I mean, it's like sixes in moments have some extremely powerful intuition, which is mm-hmm. like the high, high side of the head center. Right. Yeah. And nines, it's, uh, you know, stuff around flow and, you know, could even be creativity and so forth and using gut, you know, moving and doing through the body to kind of synthesize and harmonize and that kind of thing, whether it's in art or music or something like that. Anyway, that's one, one mm-hmm. iteration. But with three, it was, it's <clears throat> the sense of them actually seeing where you are, where I was, you know, at a heart level. And I don't know, it was almost like there was, this will be the, the huh part of the podcast, but it was like, <laughs> There was, a, <laughs> it was like I could feel the energy going heart to heart. Yeah. And it was, it was like this tunneling straight, direct heart to heart. And it was really daunting almost because it was like, wow. Um, and I don't know how to explain it because it wasn't exactly verbal. Um, but it was the sense that they were really seeing where my heart was at. And it was, and it's partly, I think, like I said, in the, uh, what was the heart is an ocean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's the sense that they see how you want to see yourself, mm. and and there's a kind of um, compassion there um, because yeah. it is image center. So it makes sense in a way that sometimes it would show up that way that they can see how you would like to see what your image would be, your ideal image would be, or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's. That's really interesting because it's like the the style of adapting that threes are doing, the kind of mirroring that they can give people. It's like it's uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of wild. I mean, I'm heart last, so just trying to wrap my head around how someone can tap into 
um, one's somebody else's identity and mirror mm-hmm. back mirror that back to to them. So maybe what three is doing for you is giving you a sense of being seen unlike any other type can. Yeah, I think it's something like that. And there's a three I've been speaking with recently, uh, pretty frequently, and it's a similar kind of feeling is is comes through is is that kind of um mirroring back and it feels yeah pretty radically seen in a way that doesn't come up for any other type i mean there's Hmm. other things that other things that happen with other types right um that are roughly equally good and david wants to keep his options open (laughs) right strong he's like wait wait no anybody can hit on me please (laughs) well you know. The pod that hasn't gone out yet, we we uh, that I did with um, David, John, and myself. I said that I think that if you really get down to it, when you put look at all the stuff that you've got going on, your own personal quirks, that I really do think that it is one ideal type that actually mm. has the most impact on you. And in a sort of like, if you got with that type, they are providing um, a quality of attention or energy or whatever it is that has mm-hmm. the most impact on you on a like more of a transformational like oh shit i would be right most impacted by that relationship and uh we talked about how that would be like you know the law of three that that relationship represents a third force and so there is like a opposite polarity type uh and so it's funny that mm-hmm. you know david tries to keep his options open i really think there is one <laughs> fucking type for everybody <laughs> no there probably is i just yeah and uh you know slut i'm, I'm me yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah nancy what's your impression or has been your impression of nines and yeah what's your relationship with with nine one of the reasons nines are so cool for me is because they create like the space for me to be myself. And I know I've talked about this before, but I definitely am drawn to nines and sixes, Mm -hmm. Uh, but more nines. I'm like more likely to be friends with sixes than I am to like date them. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my friends are sixes and eights, but um, anyone I am attracted to is probably going to have nine somewhere. because they create this space that's like so welcoming and soft and open and it's like they just mold to whatever you want to give them so it feels for a three like the guard can come down Mm. so it's like oh my gosh thank goodness you're here i can finally relax why is why is it that you feel like you can relax is it that like basically whatever you want to be is okay is that kind of what nines are giving you um, I don't I mean, know if it's so thing, much like what I was going to explain for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> mansplain. Well, go for ahead you. and mansplain my own emotions to me, David. Please, we're a podcast that up space elevates women's voices. That's what we uh, do around here. Uh-huh. So take up I'm just my space uh, this is me elevating to explain right you. Yeah, go ahead, David. Well, I mean, I'll listen. So this might not be something you're aware of, because how could you? Be, oh right? God, you're gonna <laughs> mansplain something about me that I'm not even aware of. Because you know, you're a woman. How could you know? How could I you am know? Far too emotional, and I, you know, just emotional. crazy. You're I just might even be on place. my period. You're yeah, you're batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, um, Fuck you. <laughs> um, no, but what I was gonna say is. Because you were pausing, you know, I'd, mm-hmm. <laughs> now if I can find it. Um, there's a way, it, to me, nines don't even get that whole image space. Like, really fundamentally don't even get what's happening there in terms of somebody doing that, doing image as a, you know, as a kind of constant mode of being. And mm-hmm. so to so because... <clears throat> nines don't even know what it is. It's just like that whole thing can be um, as much as it can be in anybody who is a three or or a, an image type. It can just really radically be relaxed because nine is just not even, it's just not even. Well, in it kind of goes over their head. It just, yeah, it just doesn't even register. Yeah. But it's happening. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how it feels. Yeah, I was going to say, 
it's not that like I don't have to be something or they're like radically accepting me for who I am or anything like that because that still feels like dangerous right. territory to let down your guard, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Um, but it just feels like nines just just don't get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like That's what get, I mean. Yeah, they That's don't what get I mean. the three things. So it's like, you know, why are you like, especially a self-present nine, right? It's, they're so happy to just be and exist and you know, have something maybe catered to them every now and again, that it's just so easy. It's so easy to just relax yeah. and exist. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Cause like social would maybe bring in some aspect of that, some social dominance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. That's a good yeah. point, David, because yeah. uh, there are a lot of social types in general, but social nine to um, mistype. Especially like a nine wing one or something. Right. They think that they might be an, a hard type, and so a lot of social types right. relate to that um, image management thing. Where, if, if, even though it's not the same thing, it's not the same thing as being in the heart center and doing image management in the moment. But um, no, that's really interesting that yeah. you bring that up. That because, for example, John, as a hard type four, is in a relationship with Alexandra, a social nine, and there is something that I thought was interesting, like a polarity in that they're so different, but also there's some similarity between a social nine who is doing kind of like, uh, paying attention to how people are seeing me, but not to the same degree as an image center type. Right. So there's a level of mirroring that that's healing to John that she provides, but it's not the same as what it's not the same game that an image type is playing. Yeah, and I um, often feel like my ability to cater to someone else, like if I'm when I am able to cater to someone else, it's because they have given me something I need. Mm. Uh, so it doesn't like it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, and I feel like nines give me the ability to cater to them because they've given me the space to be me. Mm. So then I'm like. Oh well, like let me create this world around you because it's and it's also kind of easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy to cater to a nine. That's interesting. Okay, I want to clarify that it's not necessarily like a heart type versus gut type thing because it's not like you feel that way around eights and ones, right? Or do um, you? No, no, they don't. They've got their own agendas. <laughs> eights yes, and ones have, have their, their own, their own agendas. agendas. Exactly. Yeah, and I, and they might give me something but it's not the comfortability that nines give me Mm -hmm. so when you're saying comfortable it's what at least what i'm hearing is that nines are movable they're flexible enough where you feel like you have the room to be yourself or to be and be all of all of myself all of yourself right it's like you know they can nines like if i'm specifically talking about brian like he allows me to be you know all of the different parts of me in one space without experiencing whiplash, without being like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm, without judgment. Okay. So that might just be him being a really good partner, but I think that also has something to do with him being a nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's it would be more comfortable for an attachment type to be with another attachment type because it's like, this is someone, you're with someone who gets the the sort of, um, unconscious absorbing and, and adaptableness that attachment types are, or that game that attachment types are playing. And on the flip side, I guess being with a hexat type brings up a whole set of different uh, challenges where it's like, you know that this person's going to have their position and which might force the attachment type to find their position because they're in a relationship with someone who's constantly doing that. Yeah. I don't think it's Im- it's impossible for uh, an attachment type to be with a non-attachment type. It would just look very different. Like mm-hmm. Brian and I annoy the shit out of people usually because we're like mushy and always touching each other and just like people are always like you two are gross. Mm-hmm. And that like, you know, that would be a very different vibe if I was with like non-mushy little self-pres nine. Right, right, right. Okay, so is that something, is this sort of vibe or this chemistry, is that something you've always known? Like, is, has, has that been a pattern that you've been always felt that way about nines? 
Or did it take some relationships, uh, a couple relationships for you to uh, like awaken? Oh shit, nine's my nine's my type. I think I would have found nines. Like I'm trying to think back to exes, but I don't have the best memory when it comes to exes. So I might have been with a couple, but I think they always bored me as a younger three. Yeah. You know, like I found them really boring. And then I think I had enough, and maybe hex that or maybe just shit relationships. (laughs) (laughs) She Um, got pummeled by some hex that types. Exactly. Let me run back to my Not in the good way. (laughs) Not in the good way. Um, So, you know, that I found that a little bit of, I can handle being bored, right? Because there's always going to be something in a relationship that like, is something you have to decide what you can handle and what you can't, right? I can handle being a little bit bored by another mm-hmm. attachment type better than I can handle the hexad pushing my buttons. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I'm willing to put up with that in, in the trade-off for this ability to kind of sink back into the nine space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that'd be interesting to explore uh, attachment types who've been in relationships with hexad types versus being in a relationship with attachment types and to sort of illustrate like what are these types doing in relationships and that sense of being together what does it mean to attachment types versus what it means to hexad types this is one thing that came up in one of the daa classes that we did is parenting from the perspective uh, the difference between oh, that's interesting. yeah, the difference yeah. between how hexat types look at parenting versus the way attachment types look at parenting, and the sort of assumptions that attachment types make. And I realized in, in discussing that that maybe part of what had turned me off on the idea of parenting and family was, I think the memes around parenting and family are mo- mostly from the perspective of attachment types, and a lot of hexat types just kind of see their kids and family as sort of like, yeah, we support each other. We're a family, but it's like, you're over here. I'm over here. Like we're somewhat separate. And whereas, I mean, of course I'm generalizing, but with some attachment type families, there is a sense that your life path and the decisions you're making, they're, they're interdependent with the decisions and the life paths that I'm making as well. So like when someone decides to move to a new city that that can seem or make a, a decision that's outside the sort of uh, family, whatever, that that can seem like a, a point of conflict. Whereas that's, that's such a, in my family, which is mostly hexat types, is very different. That's really interesting. Most of my family, aside from my mom, in fact, my whole family, aside from my mom, is attachment. Mm-hmm. And there has always been a lot of conflict surrounding my mom's relationship with all of us. My dad's relationship with all of us has never really been in question. For a quick second, what what is that? What is the conflict? Uh, the conflict is always... Now, I can't speak so much to my brothers. Uh, one of my brothers, I know a little bit more about his relationship with mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one, not so much. But I know that they tend to feel like a lot of what she has done is just sort of incorrect. Mm-hmm. In what way? Um, like. Like, specifically, my three brother um, has stated, like, he just, I'm thinking back, it's just, uh, like, it's just sort of how mom does. Like, she doesn't uh, handle her emotions in the way we would like her to. She doesn't, like, parent anymore. Like, she doesn't act like a mom anymore. Like, she's kind of like, okay, you're done being parented. Bye. Like, you're now, Mm. you know, just a human (laughs) alongside me. Which Instead is like of like my kid. I yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, because your mom is a social eight, and uh, it's interesting from the perspective of eight, kind of like looking at my parents. My dad's an eight, and there's a sense of once you're old enough, I'm kicking you out of the next. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And well, even even before you were really old enough, right? There's an expectation that you handle your shit. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think neither of my brothers really experienced it to the level I did being like a self-pres three you know it's just a little bit more like i want that attachment so amica real quick so how how would you pull apart like what because you've got a type two mother what twos are doing as parents versus how we're Mm, describing question uh attachment types and that sort of over involvement kind of thing of two which yeah that I want to get into that because, I mean, that's something that's come up in the group of 
where some twos have spoke up about feeling like they were the exceptions from the hex hat versus attachment discussions we've been having. Yep. And it's like anyone who's been around twos up close will it's definitely. It's not an exception. It's, it's just a different vibe. <laughs> yeah. It's just a different sort of position. And so what, what you yep. realize having a type two parent is that they've got their agenda and their involvement. You know, my mom's involvement with me is very limited towards in, in terms of what she expected from me. So in my family, everything feels like a negotiation because I'm dealing with, you know, the the rejection types here. And and so my mom is like, I expect you to do this. I want to help you with this. And she wants to be all up in my business and uh, meddling with what I'm up to. Uh, but and it's her so, help. It's, she's not adapting to what you do. No, 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 no. It's, it's very different. I'm, and I'm still trying to, like, wrap my head around what attachment types are doing in relationships and in families. And it's... Sort of like the examples I've heard from Alexandra's experience with her family, which is like a fully attachment type family. Mm-hmm. And what constitutes conflict in an attachment family? Like, for example, I, I believe she, because uh, she moved to New York to be with John and she's made some changes in her lifestyle. And to me, that's like a good thing. That's like self-actualization you're becoming more yourself and that would be a non-issue in my family um there was a point in my family where my parents were looking at me at me as an extension of their own reputation it's not necessarily that they cared about they care about what i'm doing but it's more about like the conversations they're having with their friends i'm just like a social object in terms of my son's doing this 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 and this so they cared as much as like they don't want to look bad to their friends. I, I mean, of course, this is my interpretation. Uh, but with, it feels like with attachment types, like there are, their identity is more in, intertwined with what their family members are up to. Like if you're doing this, then this, this, I have to somehow meet you halfway on what your path in life is. Or like, it's like a family issue if you've gone off and doing, you're doing this other thing here. I might be wrong in the way I'm phrasing it, but. With my parents, it felt like they had their agenda and it's like they saw me through the lens of what they themselves expected for themselves, like what they, the kind of life they wanted to live. And so once they realized that I was going to do my own thing, kind of, I was like, well, you're just over there. And so it just felt like either hexat types see you as a separate thing, doing your own thing, or as a parent, they put their expectations or they impose their expectations on you. Um, and they don't even, they're not doing the adapting thing. It's either you're with me or you're over there doing your thing. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense to me. But yeah, I, I, it's an interesting topic because I'm still trying to understand attachment and just the expectations of attachment in relationships are very different. And so I think part of what I was rejecting in, in terms of family and relationships is the, the memes of uh, what maybe attachment types assume that parenting means like you know once your kid once you have your kid then they become the most important thing in your life and Mm -hmm. i think that's an attachment perspective like the idea that your life is now centered around your child above anything else i don't agree with and i think um really yeah i I don't believe i mean (laughs) maybe because just the way i was raised but it's like i've always thought that kids are a part of your life, there aren't your life. And if you have children and then they become your number one priority at the expense of your life, then 20 years goes by and you've, all you've done is raise children who might not even like you or anything else. And so I've always felt growing up that I was like a part of my parents' life. I wasn't the priority at all. Like I had chores as long as I could I had to earn my existence. (laughs) I had had chores. I had to go do things. I had a long list of things I had to do. Like, so maybe it's just a cultural thing also, but, but I think it is a hexat thing where it's like, Hey, you are a part of our life. You have a role to play here. You have a job to do, but here I see a lot of parents, a lot of attachment parents who feel responsible to drop everything to live, um, to make their, make sure that their kids have everything or, whatever (laughs) so that's a that's an interesting take because i view it as like if you choose to have kids then you should make it your whole your life until they are 18 or 19 or whatever 
But why? Uh, because because you chose to bring them into the world, and um, right, that's not but, their fucking problem. But there's <laughs> an argument. There's an argument though for there's, like the parent, the parent still going on with their life and having right. a creative life or whatever just, it is. I've never heard someone with an honest viewpoint that Imica's ha- has right now. The point I'm trying to make is that the reason. Most people assume that, you know, what you believe about what parents should do is the right way is, I think, because most people having kids are attachment types. Like the the meme, the meme around parenting is what you're saying. And I, for the first time I was like, wait a minute, I wasn't raised that way. And I know John, John wasn't had a, you know, similar experience of the way attachment type families are run versus the way hexat families are run are very different. And so I just wanted to, sorry to interrupt. It continues the whole attachment thing. If I mean, or it um, makes it more deeply rooted. If you're, if you've got an attachment parent, that's doing that where their whole life is adapting to that. It's, it's, it's yes. Prolonging the whole Freudian family romance mucky gooey soupy stuff that just goes yeah. on forever so there's also- whereas whereas if you saw if you <clears throat> as a child saw a parent who's got this whole very separate life and real serious pursuits that they're doing and it's not about being that they're unloving or inattentive or whatever but if you see a parent that's that is individuating really by having their own interests and pursuits that's a really that would be a much more positive thing for an attachment type to see so i think you just hit the nail on the head because i think i am viewing what emika was first saying as the parent is not no longer parenting no 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 i'm saying the meme is that when you have kids, that your kids are the most important thing in your life, that they become essentially your life. And right, I reckon- you don't have a life outside of that. Well, not to say that you don't have a life, but like your kids are like the number one priority. Most people stop doing whatever it is that, you know, like whatever oh, okay. they were, whoever they were before they had children. Like, I, the thing that really turned me off about parenting is I'll see, I'll meet guys who, recently have kids and they, they they have the words coming out of their mouth like oh this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me but you can see the look they, in yeah. their eyes yeah. they've died yeah. they you know the <laughs> well, person I was just I, w- I was gonna say that like uh, having a hexad mother that tried to do that right that tried to be an attachment mother mm-hmm. was very much like I saw the constant death of her life in front of her Mm -hmm. eyes like the um resentment like the constant resentment at the life that she was creating because she Mm -hmm. felt like it was the only way to do it yeah right and it's like you know when you force a person who's not an attachment to parent in a way that's attachment you watch them just die yeah well and and i mean even though she's an eight you know with that social instinct if you're seeing attachment everywhere as the zeitgeist for how parenting quote unquote should be you know even she's gonna try to adapt to it and as you're saying it, right. it especially in the work. 90s that was like peak yeah. attachment parenting yeah and the thing about the attachment parenting meme is that it assumes that your child is an attachment type and here's a you know oh, example. that's true it, didn't think it, about that because for example i i one of the things that came up when i got first got started dating beth is that she said, oh, she was so excited for me to meet her kids. And I was like, well, my perspective is there's a very good chance those kids aren't going to like me or that they're not going to like me at first because that's just how people react to me. That's just the reality of who, what it means to be me. It's not even because I'm you know, going to be mean to them or anything. The, you know, you're specific gonna meet flavor. Whatever. It's, it's like, I don't know if people are going to like me. So the idea that her kids are going to immediately like me is like, well, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Cause, right. but she was saying from the, that her kids are going to like whoever she likes because that's how it works. Cause they're attachment types attachment. Yeah. and that's how, how, how it goes. And I was right. like, well, it doesn't work like that from my perspective. I never was any, I mean, I will be cordial 
to the friends and family of people that I care about, but it doesn't mean I'm going to like them. That's sort of the attachment or the hexat point of view. And my dad has definitely been on that. You know, he's not, my parents were not playing the attachment game. They were polite, but if they didn't like you, they didn't like you. And so I'm re- recognizing that this sort of self-sacrificing meme about parenting where it's like you have to drop everything for your children you know you have to move to the part of the country that with the best schools with the best schools i mean everything your whole life is now being giving um this person the best life but you know part of what i realized is that if attachment types realize that they could have a child who is a hexat type so someone who doesn't relate to you doesn't like you. Like, I'm, I'm very different from my parents. I mean, very different. Like, I, for a long time and still, to this day, I do feel like there's a good chance that i just in the wrong family. Like, I'm very different from these people. And so that's, I'm not doing the attachment thing. I'm not attaching to them. Uh, and so you could have a child who doesn't like you, who has nothing in common with you. Like, I could have, if I had a kid, I could have a chat come out. Who just likes oh the stock market, <laughs> right, right? You know, because that's that's the my hex had nightmare is like there's going to be a child who's going to be very different from me. But then again, it could be a, an attachment child who just wants to be like me. But you know, that perspective are problems. But, yeah, but the the attachment meme is what creates that attachment meme. It's like, oh, my kids are going to be just like me. They're going to be a representation of my legacy and. I want, like, it's almost like uh, your child is a creative extension of you. And right. so you Which want to give them the best. fucking toxic. Exactly. So that's, that's where I think it comes from. It comes from the assumption that your children are also going to be attachment types. And so you have to drop everything for them. Well, I think, yeah, I think a big part of why I don't want kids is because I'm a little afraid I would just, like, attach to them and just, like, expect them to be. Right. Um, extensions of me, and that's not fair, right? And that's just as toxic, so I'm like, well, I don't want to do that fucking work. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I, I think I realized once I actually examined at once upon a time that I did want kids, I was like, every single reason of that I have for wanting children is selfish. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have someone that sort of looks like you? <laughs> who, right. who has, like, some, some, who shares some DNA with you? That would be kind of cool. Um, I didn't have any like social reasons, but I, the more I thought about it, it's like, it is a, such a self, if you're doing it right, is a selfless thing to bring someone into the world and give them uh, a pathway to be their best self, whatever that might be. And it, it can't be an extension of you. You can't be looking at it as I want someone to take care of me when I'm older, because that's all you might not even get along. It's, you're building a relationship with someone, but that person isn't an individual and most likely going to be their own person. And you have to be willing to do that, uh, um, to give them a good life until they become adults and, and without thinking of a selfish gain. And I was like, I don't know if I have that. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I have I that. definitely don't have that. <laughs> I am a selfish bitch. No, thank you. But yeah, David, what you were saying about how that you know attachment parenting meme it reinforces the attachment because it entrenches the sacrifice is what gets the parent to attach even more to the child and to over identify with their path in life and um we're all you know kind of uh intertwined together well uh, yeah i mean just uh came up in one of the daa uh, conversations. It's like attachment parenting. Um, it's like the umbilical cord is still attached. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, and that's the feeling is like, you're still, uh, connected and adapting and everywhere you go, I go and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Back to the three, three versus nine thing. What is, cause you, y'all have both spoken to the type of effect you know, three or nine has on you. I guess, okay, Nancy's the only one who's been in a relationship. Well, you've both been in a relationship with uh, the opposite type. What does a three and a nine relationship look like, feel like? What are the high sides, things that you really liked about yeah. your relationship with the three and the things that you didn't like? Well, um, the particular three I was dating, you know, it was 
inspiring. I mean, it's somewhat generic stuff, but I mean, just inspiring to have her kind of wanting to get out and do stuff, you know what I mean? As opposed to my cave dweller existence. And yeah, I mean, she just had a kind of healthy vivaciousness that was um, in some ways challenging too. It's like, you know, kind of a, uh, an unspoken get off your ass and let's go kind of thing. <laughs> and so, and, and I appreciate that actually. I mean, I don't want to be with somebody who's, you know, just a whatever servant or something. Also sleepy. Um, yeah. Another right, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we were young. She was about, I was in my late twenties and she was in her early twenties. And so on the negative, she was also really aware of who my friends were and how that would reflect on her if we were all out doing things together mm. and what they were like. And she would sort of in an around the corner way, sort of be, you know, kind of like coaching me into shutting certain people out because they weren't as cool image wise. <laughs> Stuff like that was yeah, going she on. A, I've done that. Was yeah. she a social three or just had social in the stacking? I think she probably was social self-pres or SPSO. I'm not sure. Oh, wow. It's one of those two. Yeah. 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 That's going to be intense about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, I have uh, dated guys who I very quickly had to dump because I was like, I cannot be seen with you. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> what 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 were they? Are they just too trashy or what? Uh they just like had no like um social abilities. Like mm. they just like always were saying the mm. wrong things, never tried. Like it was just like at least shut up. <laughs> at least stop talking. Like at least let me do the talking. It was just like ugh. it was awful. It was just awful. embarrassing people. Yeah, it's just constant cringe. So what what has been the pros and cons? Of your relationships with nines? Well, I think I already said um, the biggest pro was, you know, the ability to just be myself um, and all of myself all at once. Should start with the obvious, the sex, right? Oh, the sex is great. That's very true. Uh, it's definitely, definitely the best. And that's a universal fact with nines, right? It is. Yeah, the 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 guys I would imagine are are nuns. Did we did have good sex? But Brian beat them all of them. <laughs> Brian's so much better than all of them. Um, you should uh, you should ask Brian, well, after you're done. You should ask Brian to come on here and tell tell us the what he hates about being with the three. Yeah, let me see I if he'll do it. I asked him to just relay one bad thing to me so that I can tell you how terrible I am. Um, there you go. Yeah, he said it's hard to know what I want instead of like what I think other people will want me to want. Mm. Yeah, so I would imagine that would be very complicated to. Uh, yeah, kind of that's hard to navigate. Be around. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I'm not going to speak for him otherwise, but that's what he said. I would say it's actually a pretty similar issue that I have uh, with Brian is. I have a hard time believing that he actually doesn't have an opinion or like if we're arguing or something, I have a hard time believing that there isn't something else going on mm. because I feel like nine is such a, a deep, um, in the pussy, sorry, deep, um, <laughs> <laughs> like type that there's so much that goes on inside of a nine that I have a hard time just taking stuff at face value from him because I'm like, I feel like there's just so much else going on here, but I also have to trust him to tell me, you know, what he needs. Like he's an adult. Yeah. It just takes time, you know, with nines, like there's an unfolding. So you might get the, the first layer or the second layer today. Right. And then a month later, you'll get the, the, the real thing. <laughs> right. And like yep. when we're making decisions about things, I often have to um, give him time. Like I'll ask for a, I'll have to ha ask for a timeline on a decision. Mm -hmm. um, or if I need like, you know, something to happen, mm -hmm. I'll bring it up like a month in advance and then like two weeks in <laughs> advance, like, you know, to kind of give it space because I react much faster with things and I make decisions mm -hmm. much faster. So it's really hard for me to slow down and allow him space to like do his thing. Yeah. Anybody in a relationship with a nine has to develop their patience. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's uh it's a good practice. Or you can just start slapping them. Yeah. No. Whip. Little baby Stockholm. I have I'm, to be careful with him. I'm pro violence for nines. Stockholms do require abuse to keep the relationship yeah. going. You have to abuse them on some level. Mm-hmm. I think I'm I, not biased I at I all. Abuse him on, on, <laughs> on quite a few levels. I think I abuse Brian. <laughs> I, I consistently force him to, you know, do fun things and go on adventures <sighs> with me and talk about his feelings. It's just awful. It's pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> True abuse right there. So, okay, let me think. What might people be interested to hear on a call about three and nine compatibility? So we've talked about sort of the chemistry, what the other type does for the sort of polarity that exists. Um, I think um, I do want to go back real quick to what David was talking about with like the heart lining. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, about how important like you as a nine, David, feel that as like being seen is that what you said yeah yeah it's like a really um, it's like a really i don't know if i'm exaggerating or but or idealizing but it feels like kind of the <laughs> most you could be seen in a way mm. yeah yeah i think as a three that's also a really important thing to experience from a nine because mm. i think threes can kind of especially like bermuda threes can heartline directly like you know kind of connect deeply with a lot of different types of people but we don't often get like the the mirroring back yeah the mirroring back um Mm. that a nine will offer Mm -hmm. so i think it's really important to know that like threes get a lot out of that too because we're doing it all day but we don't often get it back Hmm. you know that's interesting that three and nine in some ways, so nine is doing mirroring people and absorbing people on a level of the body, on level on an existential level, and three is doing so on a level of image and identity. And one thing that I noticed on the type three call that we did is just how similar, in terms of how much in the moment adaptation is happening between three and nine, like you know on the nine call they would, you know, contradict themselves. I mean, all the attachment types are contradictory, but it was happening where it's like, oh, I don't actually agree with that. And then like 15, 20 minutes later, they would come back around to agree with the thing that they had said that they didn't agree with. And that was happening. Right. And I was just noticing maybe like the three and nine uh, adaptability was very obvious to me, uh, more so than the six. Six feels a little bit more violent in, than their mm-hmm. swings, whereas three and nine are really taking you in. Yeah, I mean, six is so much about different pushing. forms of going going against. Yeah, pushing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's why of the attachment types, I've I've felt more comfortable with sixes because it's it's got an edge to it. There's a, some right. violence to six that is a good match for my my bullshit. Whereas when it comes to mirroring, I don't know if there are any other types in the enneagram that can mirror someone as well as a three or a nine can. Yeah, and it feels really nice to have the space made for you instead of the other way around. Nines and threes can agree to that. So I guess what I'm seeing from my perspective, like every pairing in the Enneagram is going to have a between any relationship between any two types is going to have a certain octave, like a certain mm-hmm. kind of uh, sort of quality, something like that they're frequency. meeting. Yeah, and it seems like the three nine frequency is about mirroring, is about you know acceptance and giving someone space because you are both. Well, both types are doing that in different ways. And a three is like, I'm mirroring people all day, but I'm, no one's mirroring me. And here's a type who's doing so in a very different way. And uh, a nine being seen is a really big deal. And no other type can get a, a direct line to your, uh, someone's identity and channel that as well as a three can. And so that's what the three nine relationship is about. Final question is, how has the opposite type helped you grow and develop as a person (laughs) david how have i helped you grow and develop as a person Mm. have you have you helped me i just hurt you (laughs) Um, pain and anguish yeah i mean i don't have a lot of experience with a lot of threes um 
but you would be the one I would use. Your consistency of, you know, wanting my presence, input, conversation, friendship, and so forth is uh, pretty motivating. And it, uh, yeah, it's a, it's definitely uh, indirectly a, a way of really clearly being seen and valued and the sense of my value um, comes through in all of that attention and your interest in me. So thank you. Well, I am very interested in you. <laughs> and, does, and Brian um, knows about that, right? Yeah, Brian does know about that. Okay. Uh, no, I do see and value you, David. Golly you have gee. a very high value in my friend group, <laughs> which is a lot for a three to say. I'm not going to be too embarrassing in front of your friends. <laughs> well, to be determined. Question. Yeah. To be determined. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I'm giving you uh, uh, shiny things to pay attention to at the wedding. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. And you're giving me a dress code, too, so I'm not too embarrassing. I am. Well, I, I gave you three colors to stay colors. within. Aside from that. Did you know that, Emika? There's color. There are. Colors. Oh yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I was. I was going to ask because I'm sure that she would. She was going to have some restrictions on dress code. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like well, pink David and, and I sage have decided and dark blue, or it's it? it's navy, navy, sage green, and blush. Those are colors so, yeah. that are off limits. Off limits, right? No, no, no. Those are the colors to wear. Oh wow, so, Emika, you're going to have to wear a pink suit. Yeah, if you could find a blush pink suit, I would just die of happiness. No, so so guys are going to be wearing like navy, basically, is what it's going to come down. Yeah, to. if if you can wear any of navy. those colors, um, so wait, those okay. are just recommended. Navy blue, pink, and what? Sage green. It's also Sage on our green. wedding like website, green. which yeah. will be on the invite, which we're sending out this week. So okay, cool. All right. If you but, need help, you can just tell Beth to help you, and I will. Oh no, I'm I'm the stylist in this relationship. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be badass, Emika, if you came in a blush pink. Suit. Oh, I'll I'll include all the colors. That. I will make it oh, happen. <laughs> okay, I am fine with that. Yeah, that would be amazing. I'm also fully expecting John to go all out, but we'll oh see. yeah, one hundred percent. It's gonna be great. Sexual hexa um, boys. Oh my gosh. I I just want you to freak everyone out at the ceremony. I want you we to We don't have to try. People. I don't have to try at all. <laughs> I just have to show up. That's it. You just have to exist in the same <laughs> realm. It's like, how do you know do you know that guy? Why? Are you- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I'll tell them Should the name of the here? podcast. Oh, yeah. My does wedding planner's going to be does like, I'm sorry, drugs? you're not <laughs> yeah, on does he have the <laughs> You're not on the list. I get out. Just Tell them I'm your dealer and no one will ask any more questions. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, you got to finish this off with uh, how okay. nines have helped you grow and all that good stuff. I, I think my nine has um, helped me slow down and find ways to enjoy slowing down. So I think before I started dating Brian, I would have a really hard time with free time. And I still have a hard time with free time. But I am much better at allowing myself to just exist. Whereas before I would put a lot of shame, I would kind of, you know, put a lot of shame on myself if I didn't do something. So I think it's allowed me to slow down and find what I like a lot more. Find what, find my joy a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that uh, both types are providing for the other what, they well an aspect of what they need and so i'm i assume that if you were in a relationship with a six it would be a different octave and so yeah. what it seems like to me is um nines need some kind of push and also being really seen and not only a threes you know gonna push nines by just existing but they're also really gonna see them like okay this is this is your value this i really value you for who you are and that's really important to nines and for for threes, nines really force you to slow down because I mean, you, we all know that you cannot rush a nine. You, you will cannot. go at the pace <laughs> of a nine. <laughs> Our relationship has been paced by Brian. Yep. And I appreciate that so much because if it was up to me, we would have been living together like five months in. And that exactly. was probably not a good idea, right? He definitely paced us mm-hmm. very well. 
and it helped a lot. It still helps a lot. Well, you say that as if it was a plan. He didn't, you know, he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't plan it. He just, he just knew his intuition told him what was right. And he just straight up like resonated with the universe and was like, this is what we do now. (laughs) Well, we appreciate that you idealize it that way, but (laughs) it's really not that. Yeah. We're just like an anchor in the mud. <laughs> you might also say that they are stuck. <laughs> stuck. You might say that they're a little stuck. Yeah. Yeah. You might. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, one... I think it's funny what what you know when you put two types together. What what ends up happening? Um, like you know, you put an eight and a six together, and a lot of shit happens very quickly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of explosions and a lot of uh, <laughs> you know disasters and controversies and you know. Are you speaking from experience? I am speaking from experience. Oh. Perhaps. One uh one anecdote of how Brian and I function in our relationship is when we first got together, like within the first probably six months, uh, I told him that I didn't want to live in America anymore. Like I never I, I wanna move, I wanna leave. And if like you're not cool with that, that's something I need to know. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't know if I'm cool with that. And I was like, Okay. And like a year and a half goes by. And he is then like, okay, so I want to move. <laughs> I want to leave America. There it is. There's the timeline for nine. But it was like a year and year a half. A year and a half. Like, yeah. It was, well, it was luckily it wasn't time. five years, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, Just I was, a year I was and a half. ready to go. But I kind of also knew before, uh, you know, I was like, I feel like he'll come around. I feel mm. like he'll come around. Yeah. That, that's a topic we should get into in another call because I, I still want to explore sort of like uh attachment types in relationships versus hexat types in relationships and the the thing that we the discussion we had about parenting sort of rolled up rolled up into that sort of the assumptions and expectations of um you know of what each type is uh, hexat type or attachment type is expecting in relationships one thing real quick um i had this conversation with joseph because he was in a relationship with an with a nine and we were talking about like what getting on the same page looks like for attachment types versus hexat types because we might end up at the same location but how we got there and how we rationalized to ourselves how we got on the same page with our partner is different and mm-hmm. he was That's saying that for attachment types it can be like let's say i'm not saying this is what went down with you and um your fiance like you're saying i don't want to live in the u.s and for maybe for some attachment types, they'd, they'd say, well, my partner feels this way, so I'm going to get on that same page and maybe right. give, give up my own position in, some, in doing so to be with them. And so there's a, level, a little bit of a level of sacrifice in that. Whereas for a type, it's like, well, I don't feel that way. I don't agree at this point in time with that position. But... I have not thought about it enough, maybe because I want to be on the same page with my partner. I'm going to find an aspect of that point of view that actually resonates with me so that I can be on the same page with you, even though I don't fully agree necessarily, because I want to be with you, but I'm going to find my way into where you're at. But it's not necessarily coming from a place of me giving up, you know, or absorbing or taking on the other person's position. So it's it's an interesting conversation because it's like if you're in a relationship there's a lot of compromise that happens but how the compromise takes place and how it's framed to that person seems to be different um depending on hexad versus attachment. Yeah, I did a lot of checking in to make sure that wasn't what was happening cuz right. I think both of us have the tendency to accidentally maybe not him as much as me but you know accidentally change our point of view for someone else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's not happening with attachment or uh, with hexad types, but it's like you might like something that I don't like, and and if it's really important to you, I, I might like really look into it to see figure if there's a way. Out. Yeah, figure out a way. Maybe it's just a matter of I'm just gonna go along with what you want. It's not coming from a place of this is my new thing or I like it. It's just right. like I want to do it with you. I'm just gonna do it with you because that's something you're into, not necessarily because I that's what I want. <laughs> it's just like that's what compromise to a hexad type looks like. It's just like well. If you're really into it, then I'm gonna be I'm gonna be supportive as much as I can, even if it's not something I want. Anyway, yeah, that's enough. 
Yep. All right. It's good. That's good. Talk to y'all later. Okay. All right. Bye. Later, guys. Bye. Bye. who they are.